Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. From our team to you, welcome to Season 2 of Convert Central. In Season 1, we've had the privilege of interviewing 15 converts across the months of Ramadan and Shawwal. This season, we have created a plethora of topics for every Muslim regardless of our background, our interests and our races. We pray that every podcast that we upload will be beneficial to you guys and meanwhile, enjoy listening to Season 2 of Convert Central. Welcome back to Convert Central. So, uh, as mentioned in the previous episode, uh, we are going through uh, Fundamentals of Faith, uh, our episode 3. Uh, and this episode, we are focused on the Fundamentals of Practice to uh, new and uh, new Muslims and uh, Muslims that are coming back to Islam. So today I am once again joined with uh, Sister Nur uh, on the day of Ashura. So Alhamdulillah, such a blessed evening uh, with you. And uh, for those who have not listened to her story and uh, what uh, Japanese converts can find, where Japanese converts can find support in Singapore, please head down to our previous episode to listen to her story so that you guys can also uh, come here, come back here to pick her brains and her thoughts about what we are going to share later. So yeah, we will start off by talking about um, the basics of Islamic practice. So uh, why we choose to share about Islamic practice at the stage whereby people first come to Islam is because like what Sister shared in her previous podcast, there is a misconception to Islam. You know, Islam is uh, viewed as a violent uh, religion where people have no choice but to do whatever Islam says. But that normally isn't the case. And why it isn't the case is that because there's a misconception when it comes to Islamic practice. Mm-hmm. Coming down to just, you have to practice. You know, if you don't practice, then, then you're going to go to hell. If you do it, then perhaps you've got a chance to go to heaven. But, uh, you know, it's not always the case. Uh, this is not only the case. It's not just a binary, you hell, heaven, uh, permissible, not permissible. It's it's a it's a much deeper understanding of 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 why we need regulation in life, that that you know ushers in the fundamentals of Islamic practice. So um, there is a higher ob- objective to Islamic rulings, and and this higher objective comes from Allah's hikmah, His divine guidance. So for example, prayers are five times a day because us human beings, we have a tendency to forget, you know, and we have six people right, right now in Zoom. I'm pretty sure if I ask them what they had for morning yesterday uh, for breakfast, you know, probably one wouldn't be awake. I wouldn't be awake yesterday morning and uh, four of them might not remember their breakfast. So we, are, we have a tendency to forget uh, what we, you know, everything that is in our lives some way or another. So we are told to remember Allah five times a day, reminded five times a day, so that we can be reminded of our purpose to be the, uh, you know, uh, the servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So beyond just that, with a set of guidelines, our lives as Muslims are, are, are lived more peacefully and orderly. I'm sure when all of us, we had circuit breaker, uh, you know, suddenly there was so much time in phase one just at home, not doing anything. And we see many of our friends on social media saying there's so much time to do nothing. You know, I finished all my Netflix shows online. But, you know, most Muslims are so focused on, 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 on something else because it was Ramadan in Circuit Breaker. And in Ramadan, we have many things to do at, at different timings. So at every hour, we knew what we had to do as Muslims. That is order in our lives. There is no point of our lives where we, where we know, okay, uh, we have so much time but so little to do. We know there's always something to do as Muslims and that gives us the purpose we have every day. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and, uh, you know, not just in our habits but also like our social practices, like going out. Why do we, uh, why do Muslim uh, women have to come home before a certain timing? 
is not because their parents are strict, but rather we are all adhering to an Islamic guideline that will give us order in our lives. The reason why uh, they have to come home early is because a lot of bad things happen at night. If if you are at night, then we are more likely to be, um, you know, at shops that you know in shops that open at night, and these shops are more likely to be. Uh, you know, restaurants that are near uh, clubbing districts or bars, you know, even though we're not drinking, you know. So that exposes this, uh, you know, in, in Islam, we term them jewelry, you know, these gems to, to temptations that, 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 you know, uh, youth should not be exposed to. And, and that, that would turn out to be unintended consequences, un, unintended consequences as we see a lot in our society nowadays. So, and even in gender interaction, why we have certain rulings that have, that cannot be uh, broken in our gender interaction is because of the fact that um, it's a slippery slope. So this is the in-depth meaning of uh, certain practices, not just because it's haram or halal. You know, you do good, you go to heaven, you do bad, you go to hell. This is not just the case. We have to understand the rulings. So where uh, Islam derives ruling and uh, where uh, they call it jurisprudence comes in, it comes from four different places. And I'll leave it to one of my dear friends in Darul Akam to answer this question. So uh, he's Ustaz Samir and uh, he is one of the teachers in Arkham who teaches uh, prayers classes and everything. So he is one of the most knowledgeable people I've met. So inshallah, I'll leave it to him. So, the primary sources of the Islamic tradition from where we derive rulings are basically from the Word of God, which is the Holy Quran, and the explanations of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, which is otherwise known as the Sunnah or the Hadith. What we could also understand is Islam only about do's and don'ts, which is often the misconceived idea that you know Islam is just about um, avoiding this and not doing that and a set of routines. This is definitely not the case. And this is, where, this is where we have to discuss and understand what are the greater objectives of the do's and don'ts. Is it merely a, a passed down tradition from generations to generations or are there greater wisdoms behind the rulings and the traditions and the practices of the Islamic tradition? Apart from the primary sources from where we derive ruling, which is the Quran and the Sunnah, for contemporary issues which are not explicitly mentioned in the Quran and the Sunnah, we refer to expert scholars and get their consensus, scholarly consensus, which is known as ijma, and also the scholarly analogy, otherwise known as qiyas. For things like organ donations in contemporary times, is it allowed in the Islamic faith? What are the objectives of the Islamic principles in accordance to this issue? So a lot of these things have to be understood on a greater level, on a higher level. What are the um, intentions of the Quran, what are the intentions of the prophetic tradition, what would God like us to do in, in, in contemporary issues such as this. Is it okay to donate our organs? Is it not allowed? Is it allowed? Is it encouraged? Is it okay to donate blood? Is it not okay to donate blood? So these are the issues which are contemporary and which has to be understood in a greater light. Thus to appreciate and to understand the wisdoms behind the Islamic rulings uh, whether it is contemporary issues or traditional issues, you will have to measure these rulings in accordance to something what we call the Maqasid al-Sharia. Okay, so uh, Ustaz Samir basically said that there are four sources of Islamic rulings, uh, Quran, Sunnah, Ijma' and Qiyas.
So these uh, fundamentals can also be learned in Arkham's, Darul Arkham's FIC class. So if for those who want to learn more, uh, please go ahead and sign up for their FIC class online on their website. So that wraps up on the first half of our uh podcast on Islamic practice so it moves on that brings us to our discussion and I would like to ask Sister Noor uh, what is your general opinion on Islamic rulings okay um, first uh, first of all um, after I convert I thought this Islamic ruling is really um, tough because um, the prayer and the fasting how I wear this one I not used to <clears throat> so but I know I have to do so it was a the first time was a restriction for me but I have to do but one day uh, can I share with you my experience one day my friend she was the docent in the Sarita mosque <clears throat> she did she was a Japanese docent she asked me can you uh, you can join me but I said to her, I haven't studied Islam so well. Even the people ask me some question, I cannot answer. And then, but she said, never mind, never mind. You, actually the Japanese tourists, they're very afraid to go into the mosque. Why? Because the people believe that Islam is dangerous. So, but they want to see inside, but dangerous. So they feel like they don't know can come in or not. But if I, like a Japanese Muslim, say, Konnichiwa, Ohayou gozaimasu, Dozo. Like this, that mm -hmm. welcome them in Japanese with a smile. Maybe they feel at easy rather than like, can I come in? Like, <laughs> not scary at all. So your job, yes, go, your new job is just smile and then just welcome them in Japanese. Mm -hmm. So I thought, can, that one can, definitely. So I start to be a docent over there. One day, people ask me, so why are you wearing hijabu? I said, uh, I only wearing hijabu when I do docent. And mm -hmm. they so surprised, eh? Is it can? And I said, oh, maybe cannot. But the, uh, the teacher said, when you're ready, you can wear. Mm. So they said, huh, so flexible. And they said, mm. yes. And then one day, people ask me, how come the men pray downstairs, women upstairs? Why mm. cannot pray together? And I just wondering why, huh? And then I asked the ustah. And then, but they said because of the, the, the but I couldn't catch it. But I, I said to them that if uh, he was a high school student boy, if you want to concentrate something, but if some very pretty and very nice, nice lady next to you and very close to you. So can you concentrate or not? I said, and then he said, can you learn? In Japanese, dekimasen, dekimasen. And then I said, yeah, that's why prayer is for us is very important because we face to God, you know, I said. And then they asked me, why there is no statue there? No statue in the mosque. And then I, I, I wondering why, huh? But, in the article, they said cannot make it because Allah cannot show, cannot draw, and cannot. I said, wondering why, huh? mm. And then I, I told them, have you ever been to, have you ever seen God? I said to him, he said, mm, God, huh? mm. 
So my God, your God, is the same? They said, hmm, like that. So I just tell, told them, I never ever seen Allah before. I hmm. don't know how does he looks like, but I feel, but I cannot draw. So hmm. that's why we cannot show lah. And then they said, oh, like this kind of, and then they asked me, by the way, sister, uh, yes ago, you pray or not? I said, um, sometimes I pray, but sometimes I don't that time. Mm -hmm. They said, can They said, oh, actually cannot with this obligatory. But they said, slowly, slowly. But once I start to dozen in there, so many questions, and then I have to answer. But what mm -hmm. I answer, I just wondering, I better pray. Because other than that, I cannot explain to them how I feel after prayer. Mm -hmm. I better wear hijabu and then long shirts. Why? Because I cannot explain how I feel after I wear hijabu or wear long one. Mm. What is the benefit? So, um, the first time I told you it was a restriction for me. But once I start to practice, because people ask me questions, I start to do, and then became like a, I recognize it's I need it. Because if I pray, I never forget about Allah. If mm -hmm. I pray, Al-Fatiha, I know what I say. And then what am I going to? And what is Allah? And then what should depend on? And in the future, what's going on? This kind of things always remind through the prayer. And then I never forget about Allah. So mm. we can feel safe. And then um, became a guidance. I want to do more. Mm. <laughs> so the first day is restriction. But once I start to do, and then know the meaning of what I'm doing, became guidance. Mm. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> so from, from your story, you know, it's... it's, it's, it's Firstly, it's so funny. Uh, we were all laughing in the background. Uh, I, I just wish you could show the video on, on, on somewhere. Uh, we, we, we love your story, sister. Uh, I mean, firstly, is that our rulings are almost never illogical. You know, if you put in some thought into it, if you think about it, the mm. answer will come. You know, why we separate genders in, in masjid. Like what you said, if there was a, a beautiful lady here while I was praying, yeah. you know, I wouldn't be able to uh, focus, right? And Hello. yeah, exactly. Yeah, so... Yeah, but, also come. I cannot! <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. So sometimes even husband and wife, it's the same thing, you know. If, if the wife is going to be there when a the husband prays, sometimes he might not even be able to focus as well. Mm -hmm. So which is why they separate. And yes. yeah, so when it comes to rulings, right, it's not just a simply yes or no. There's a meaning behind this ruling. So with some thought, we can understand that most rulings are logical. Perhaps some might not be illogical, uh, mm -hmm. might not be, uh, you know, does, might not make sense right now. So like what sister said, we give it time. You know, we, we, yeah. we, we think more about it. We, maybe we start practicing it a little bit. For, for prayers, the more you practice, the more, the, the more you understand I need to pray. Because it gives yes. me guidance, it makes me happy and everything, right? So, yes. yeah, sometimes, sometimes, but you know, if someone were to explain it to you, then you're like, uh, I might not understand, you know, he might not understand, I might not understand. But once you practice, you know why you have to pray. Correct. Yeah. So, alhamdulillah. So, this is why Islamic rulings are important to our lives. Uh, in every aspect of our lives, we, we have Islamic rulings. And this is a very, it's a beauty of Islam, alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. And, alhamdulillah. So, uh, beyond Islamic rulings, inside Islam itself, uh, brings us to our next point, is that there are five, uh, five main uh, 
ruling categories for Islam. So mm. I'll just go through it quickly. The first one is wajib. It means uh, you have to do it compulsory or obligatory. If you do it, there's a reward. If you don't do it, there's a sin. Okay. So for example, things like your prayers, like your fasting in Ramadan, mm. and uh, this this these pa- pillars of Islam are, are wajib. So next is sunnah. Okay. If you do it, you have a reward. If you don't do it, there's no sin. So uh, basically you do sunnah because you want to get the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So for example, outside of your zakat, you pay, you give more charity. That is to get the pleasure of Allah. So next uh, is called mubah. We mentioned it just now. Uh, when you do something, you, when you do something that is mubah, there's no reward. You do something that is, uh, you don't do it, there's also no sin. So things like breathing, uh, doing sports, uh, reading a book, uh, or there's this, is a mubah. Okay, uh, next is makru. If you don't do it, uh, there is a reward. If you leave it, there's a reward. And if you do it, there's no sin on you. So they will call it uh, dis- uh, discouraged uh, actions to do. So for example, it's encouraged for us to eat with our right hands in Islam. Right hand, we eat. So if we eat with our left hand, it's not haram, but it's makru. Okay, so uh, last, lastly is uh, something that everyone loves to talk about on the media, something called haram. So haram in, in Islam is not a bad thing, but it's just an indicator that if you do something, if you do something, it's, a, it's sinful, that you get a sin. But if you don't do it, you uh, will not have a reward for leaving it because you are supposed to leave it. Like you don't kill someone. Uh, that, that is haram. You don't kill someone. And if uh, you don't kill it, that's just you uh, discharging your responsibility as a human being. You don't kill other human beings. So these are the five categories. So... Um, Bring us to the discussion. I just wanted to ask sister if you know of any act, you know, that is muba, which is you can do or you don't do, there's no reward or punishment that mm. can become uh, rewarding if you do it with the right intentions. Mm. It's true. It, am I correct or not? I don't know. Mm. It's okay. You can try. Yeah, cooking. Cooking. Mm. I like the masa. Mm. Mm. Yes. And so, the masa. If I just buy the ingredients, I just cut, oh, it's time, I must do that. Mm. Goreng, 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 uh, feed. And then this one, just the cooking. Yeah. I have the intention when I wash the vegetable, Bismillah. Uh, mm. make, please clean. I want to clean this vegetable for my family, for Allah, like this. And then I cut and then cook and I put the intention. If I cook with... um. How can I say, I want my family to have more imam or I want to have family has more bonding for Allah like this. Like intention is like this and then sub and I want them to eat this food mm-hmm. and become more healthy and then do good for Allah. This kind of intention is in it. Maybe that just a, rather than just cooking, maybe I'm not sure inshallah is it rewarded? I'm not sure. Alhamdulillah, it is actually, in fact, uh, it's, a, it's a very, very good example. So for cooking, there's no, it's a mubah thing, you know, there's no thing, uh, there's no ruling that you have to cook, definitely. Uh, so when you cook or you don't cook, there's no reward or sin, only with the act of cooking. But if you do your cooking uh, with different things in mind, like firstly, I must get halal ingredients for the sake of Allah. Secondly, I'm cooking with Bismillahirrahmanirrahim because I know this food is from Allah, not from us, not from anything. And lastly, I cook with the intention to serve my family because they have came home from a hard day of work and they need the energy to eat and to do their salat. 
So yes. for the ibadah. So this is something when uh, when it's muba, you do it with a good intention and do it properly, it becomes rewarding. But similarly, also for cooking, if mm. you're cooking just for yourself and you have already eaten lunch, but I want to eat more because I, I, I feel like, you know, I'm a little bit greedy. I feel like I can still fill up my stomach a little bit more. And you cook another set of prata or Maggi goreng and you eat it and it becomes excessive. That is when cooking, which is muba, becomes also uh, makru. Or even in some cases, when it's harmful to your health, it becomes haram. Where a di- 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 diabetic patient cooks more and more uh, su- sugary food just to eat because he wants to enjoy but it's bad for his health. It becomes haram. So, Alhamdulillah, sister, you are actually doing very, very well. Okay. So, the last part of uh, our uh, sharing, uh, we want to go into something called Maqasid Sharia. So what this means is why there is a need for Sharia. So we've explained a little bit of why there is need for guidance. But I'll leave it to Ustaz Samir to go on deeper about the five different branches and objectives of uh, jurisprudence in Islam. Or the greater objectives behind the Islamic rulings. It is important to understand the Maqasid Sharia so as not to dismiss a ruling as irrelevant or old school or out of date. So the Maqasid Sharia are divided into three levels of necessity. The first one is what we call absolute necessity or daruriyat. Daruriyat are essential elements for human beings to live in a state of basic comfort. These are things which if a human being doesn't have, they will cause harm to society and to the individual. Examples would be shelter, food, clothes, which a human being reasonably has to have to live a decent life. Under the Ruriyad or absolute necessities, there are five objectives that is intended to be preserved through the Islamic rulings and the wisdoms behind the traditions. So there are five basic elements that needs to be preserved and protected under the Ruriyad or the absolute necessity. Number one, preservation and protection of religion, as well as allowing people to have freedom of practice in their religion and no extreme measures or compulsion in religion. Number two is to preserve life, every single life, whether it's human beings or the animal kingdom or even the plant kingdom. Number three is to preserve and protect our intellect. And that is why uh, to remain in a sane state of mind is, is very important in the Islamic tradition and to live as a decent human being. And that is the reason why things like alcohol is prohibited in the Islamic tradition. Number four is to preserve and protect your progeny or your lineage. And this is the reason why marriage is highly encouraged in the Islamic tradition and to avoid the engagement of illicit affairs or adultery. Number five is to preserve wealth. Islam recognizes the right to every human being's desire to own wealth, to work hard and to enjoy the returns of their hard work in this, in this earth. And there is a reason why stealing or cheating or embezzlement or even gambling, which is not earned from one's hard work, is not recognized in the Islamic tradition. And to prevent the greater harms that can befall society, it becomes a phenomena you know, among uh, the people in your community. So uh, this is Ustaz Samir uh, explaining the Maqasid Sharia. So he mentioned that there are five ob- main objectives, necessary objectives of uh, Sharia. So I'll just uh, do a summary of it. Uh, religion is one, preservation of religion, preservation of life, preservation of intellect, pre- uh, preservation of progeny, which is our, our descendants, and preservation of our wealth. So these are the five main objectives of Sharia. So like I said, uh, as we're not 
we are, as we are unable to cover all of these pointers uh, in our podcast of about 20 to 30 minutes, um, do find out more uh, through Darul Arkham and, uh, and their classes on FIC. So uh, that will bring us to our last discussion of the day, our last question of the day for Sister Noor. Uh, so with the five objectives of, uh, the, of Sharia, uh, what is your response when you don't initially understand why there's a certain ruling? How do you respond to it? Mm, simply, I will ask, to the teacher why but um, I the first of all better think why huh? and then if the Allah said don't don't do that don't close to it must have some some reason why but mm. still we don't know but must have the reason so mm. we try not close to yeah so you're, you're saying that um for most of the rulings where we are able to understand why, uh, that mm-hmm. is good. But for when sometimes we don't have the information to know why at that point of time, we have to put a, uh, we have to put our trust in Allah as Muslims that eventually this is better for us in the end. So, for example, we're eating with our right hands, uh, with our hands, mm-hmm. might not be logical a few hundred years ago because people don't see why. But then they recently, uh, you know, in the, in the past few decades, realized that there are enzymes from our fingers that help with digestion when we eat. Mm-hmm. And we are able to sense the temp- temperature of it when just having a cup might not, uh, or a fork or spoon might not be able to sense the temperature when we eat it, might hurt our own uh, mouths. And so, uh, at the start, we don't really understand why. But we trust Allah because, you know, if He can give us 90% of the rulings that, that are correct and are the best, you know, and it's just ten percent that we ourselves have no capability to understand as of yet. You know, yeah. I, I don't think that will invalidate the ninety percent that is correct, and we should put our full trust in Allah's uh, guidance in 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 these matters. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, thank you so much for sharing, sister. I think that's a very very good point. So, inshallah, that has brought us to the end of our uh, mm-hmm. fundamentals to faith episode three. So, uh, sister, thank you so much for joining us for uh, the previous two episodes and uh, sister we pray that uh, you and uh, your your community of Japanese converts you guys are joined by many more in Singapore and that more c- classes will cater to, to you guys not just uh, the introduction of Islam but many more Tawhid classes fit classes are more available for the Japanese community and not just for the Japanese community but also for the other races that, that you know are living in Singapore but can't seem to find connection with English yet so, inshallah, we will end the uh, podcast with Tasbir Kafara and Surah Al-Asr. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika. Ashadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa tubi ilaik. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Wal-Asr. Innal insana lafi khus illa ladhina amanu wa amilu salihati wa tawasabil haqqi wa tawasabil sabr. Okay, so inshallah, we will have uh, our next series next week, uh, which is Finding the Middle Ground by Brother Sharun to teach us uh, simple sunnahs that everyone can do. Not just people who know Arabic, not just people who can recite Quran well, but for converts as well who might not have the basic Arabic knowledge, things that are very, very prevalent in our normal lives with other people. So inshallah, for all those who are interested, please keep a uh, lookout on our podcast and also our Instagram page. So, inshallah, we will see you next week. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Waalaikumsalam warahmatullahi wabarakatuh.